Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where we get into people's heads and find out how their choices in life has affected them. My name is Leslie Fear. I'm your host. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Brielle Decker, and she was a member of the Fundamentalist Church of the Latter-day Saints. At 18, she became the 65th wife of Warren Jeffs. Brielle, welcome to the show. Hi. I am fascinated by your story. I think I've listened to every interview you've done on every podcast possible and your website and your Facebook page. And not only do you impress the heck out of me with what you've done in your life and what you've accomplished, the fact that you were able to escape this cult, I can't even describe my elation for you. Can you kind of go through, and we're maybe going to do the cliff notes, because I think a lot of people know Warren Jeffs, most of his story and what happened to him. And if they don't, we can maybe go over that. But could you kind of start me off of with your parents? They were part of the church. They were appointed to each other. So since your dad had been in it for generations, your mother had been in it since she'd been four years old. But they were in the church that was led by Rulon Jeffs, correct? Yes. And he, yes. And he was the one who decided or appointed them. I'm not sure how it worked. Tell me what happened with that. Okay. So my mother told me the story of their marriage and it was actually the leader before Ruland Jeffs. So the one before Ruland Jeffs is Leroy Johnson. In the history timeline, after Leroy Johnson, then they started the one man rule, which became, Ruland Jeffs was pretty much the first one to carry on the one man, like only one leader. Okay. Leroy's day, they had like a council and they started the one man rule. And so there was a split off. Okay. So Leroy Johnson had church and um, they had started the idea of appointed marriage already. Uh, And and it came from the idea of the one man, like the, the leader had to say that your marriage was really what God wanted or else it wasn't sanctioned. It wouldn't be like honored. Okay. If the leader didn't approve it, then then basically you won't make it into heaven. Wow. They started that, and it was a little bit before their wedding. I, I don't know exactly the whole timeline on when it happened, but I know that my mother's story is that they would have a time frame where everybody would line up and shake the hands of the leaders because the leaders are like God to us. like They really matter in, in the SLDS. Right. So... We would walk to and shake their hands after and basically thank them for the speech that they gave us. And when my father went through shaking their hands, they pulled him aside and told him to stand on the side and wait because they were going to give him a bride. Okay. And then um, my mother went through and they pulled her aside on the other side and told her the similar thing. And then after everybody was gone... They told them they were that they were going to be paired up together, basically, and they could say yes or no. But my mother, you know, that's the choice they have is yes or no at the ceremony. Oh wow! But my mother had only heard of my father; she had never met him in person. And right. So really, that's kind of a choice of trust in the leaders. It's not really, in my opinion, right? No, it is. Yeah. Choice. How do you make an educated choice if you've never seen him? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's how their story went. So I'm a product of an arranged marriage. Okay. And you are the 11th of 14 children. And I think yeah. in one of the interviews I heard you say that your mother pretty much knew over all of your siblings, you would be the the girl that would be in the plural marriage, right? 
Um, a lot of my siblings are in foreign language, but my mother kind of has an idea. I believe that I was going to be the leader's wife. Okay, and that was Warren Jeff's wife. Okay, all right. Well, he wasn't the leader when I was little. That's Warren true, was right. The leader until I was like, right before I turned 18, actually, I was 17, he became the leader. Oh, okay, I didn't realize it was that late. Okay. What I was astonished by is that Warren was appointed principal of your school, if you want to call it a school, uh, it's not a regular school, at the age of 17. Is Did I hear that right? Yes, he was 17 when his father, Rulin, appointed him as the principal. And that happened before I was born. Like, my older siblings were, like, in eighth grade when, he, when they started that school. So I just fell in line with all my siblings to go to that school when I was old enough. And And also, was Warren married at 17 yet? Had he, because I know that his wife was also the school secretary, correct? When I was in first grade, his wife was my teacher. That's that's what I meant. Okay, so his first wife was your teacher. I'm sorry. His first wife was your teacher. And what blows me away is that you grew up with this guy. He was almost like a father figure to you. She was almost like a mother figure to you. And now all of a sudden, you know, at the age of 18, you're his 65th wife and she's your sister wife. That blows me away. And I'm going, I'm jumping way ahead, but I'm still just blown away by that. So you go through. It is a pretty big deal. Like I remember the first thing she said to him was, this is the first child that you've um, married that I taught in first grade. Wow. That's a, that's a loaded, that's wow. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'm trying to hold back from saying anything too bad because, you know, I, I just want to hear your story. It really isn't, it's not a, about what I think I actually, but it's going to be hard for me to hold those thoughts back. But you go through school and it's not a, a typical education. In fact, I don't even think uh, it's, it's recognized in the United States school system as a a formal education, correct? It's a homeschool. And so basically, even if you graduate, you have to get your GED. Oh, you have so to even get, if yeah. you went clear to 12th grade and got your diploma, you would still have to go take GED. Okay. So you have to get your GED. Gotcha. And it only took you two years, which is amazing because I don't know how much you were taught. You certainly weren't taught history. It was all Mormon history or the FDLS history. And I assume you were taught math and I assume you were taught English and I assume you were taught other things. Am I, am I right with that? Right, but they also like have their own books, so they they would change. They had old books, and they would change everything that talked about TV. They'd white it out, write their own stuff in. They did a lot of stuff different, but yeah, we still got math and English, so we would understand the references. We had to have the same books every year. And, and I know at one point they had taken and this is jumping ahead again, they'd taken all of the music away and the internet away and TV away and all the things that you couldn't have. And that was later on. But so, okay, so you go through school and the whole time, what I thought was, because I'm all into psychology and how things work and how these these monsters work. And I'm talking about Warren Jeffs and I am going to refer to him as that because he is. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're a pedophile, you're a monster. But he would groom you in a way where he would walk in the classroom and acknowledge everyone and then say, what was your name again? Almost to make you want him more, almost to make you have that power play. Think about him a little bit more like, why do you do that to me? You know? Yes. And that to me is just so evil already. If you're that calculated to a child, 
And then I remember you saying in one of your interviews that at the age of eight, if a child doesn't understand the FLDS doctrine, then it's the father's fault. I mean, right. tell me how that works. I mean, <laughs> what? Yeah, the Doctrine and Covenants quote that says, if the child doesn't understand the scriptures by the time they're eight years old, the sin goes on the head of the parents. Wow. Okay. And they take everything to the extreme, so they interpret it like, if you don't understand everything by the time you're eight years old. So that's not how the most people interpret that. But okay, so, right. And just, Jeff's just distorted everything for his gain and for his power over everyone because... Once his father, I guess you said he died. Did he die of a heart attack? Well, if you listen to, like, Prophets Pray, they have a really interesting perspective on that. It's a private investigator's perspective. Right. And basically, they believe that Warren Jeff, in the end, did have something to do with his death. Oh, really? Uh, I've... Yeah, because, wow. because one of the wives was pregnant with Warren Jeff's children, twins, and they said it was premature when the babies were born, but the people that actually delivered said they weren't premature really so I, I don't know I, I just know that's what I've seen you know well I don't put anything past him real I, I don't I mean I, I just how can you and the fact that he's still in prison and has his thumb on everyone wherever they are now I'm not even sure where the compound is now I don't even know if it's still if it's scattered now or well right now they're all scattered they have compounds everywhere now Oh, they but do. Okay, the okay. The place where the people gather that have left is Colorado City and Hilldale. Colorado City yeah. and Hilldale. Okay, that's... that's where I went when I was sixteen. After I moved out of Salt Lake, when we all gathered in Colorado City and Hilldale, and then Warren Jeff became the leader, and he started the other compounds. Okay, gosh. All right. So let me ask you this: I don't understand, and I, I and maybe you can help me. How are you? And it might not just be you, but. You're one of the only people that knew something was up, knew something wasn't right. And you did at a very early age. And first of all, thank goodness. But secondly, why do you think so many people don't see it? Do you think it's the brainwashing? Do you think it's the gaslighting? Do you think it's the fact that you just did your homework and said, this isn't how it's supposed to be? I, you know, what? what's your take on that? I think that there's a lot of people I've talked to who really believe the brainwashing is deeper then what I believe, I believe multiple stay because it's comfortable, it's familiar. Right. It's all they know. It's their family. Like, if you have to make a choice to give up not only everything you know, but your family. Yeah, yeah. Stay, it, they have reasons why they stay, but they can't even express them. Most, I believe most people have reasons why they stay. I don't think the brainwashing is as deep as some people think it is. Right, okay. And it totally makes sense. And when Jeff was in power still, I know that he would send some of the boys away because they were probably, in your opinion, I think you said, they were competition to him. Yeah, I totally believe that they were competition to him. And I do too. Play <laughs> harder on the boys. He actually talks about that in his training. Like the training is a lot of the grooming too, because it's all preparation for how he wants you to be. But um, he does talk about that. He says the boys have a higher calling because. They're the ones that make the choices and decisions in the household because the wives can't. They argue because there's too many of them. So the men are always the ones that make the final decision, and everybody has to just follow it. So he says it's okay to make the standards higher for the men because they really have to lead out. But in reality, he makes it impossible for the men. I right. Believe, like, I think it's so impossible like because they're men. Right, and yeah. He talks about, like, 
um, you can't masturbate and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, you know, all this stuff that's just basic human anatomy, you know, like you have to be able to function. And like I said, your free will is taken away. You are, you work, work, work. There's no taking care of yourself time. There's no downtime. There's no, it's all regimented and you have no choices. No one does. And they think they do because they tell them they do. Oh, they say you right. have a choice at the wedding to say yes or no at the ceremony. But I like the way you, you uh, fashioned it about a cliff. Tell me how you think about the choices <laughs> and and the association with standing at a cliff. Yeah, you're standing on the edge of a cliff and they say, which way do you want to jump off? It's not really any other direction. Like, what, you know, it's yeah. not, yeah, there's nowhere to go. Yeah, you're you're doomed whether you jump to the left or to the right. And it's up to it's up to you how you want it to play out. If you say no, then you're going to be ousted and who knows what. And if you say yes, you're going to be in a situation where you didn't want to be in, in in the first place. Right. It's a lot of coercion. I think of it as coercion. I think it it might even be more than coercion, like force. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So let's go yeah. to the, let's go to the point where now because you didn't even see this coming. I mean, you knew you were being groomed. I think to marry him, but you didn't know when, and you didn't you didn't know for sure. So all of a sudden, your dad says, "Hey, I'm going to take you on a ride." Yeah. So I, I had heard stories in the community of other girls that had at that time frame been gone on a ride and got married. So I was pretty sure it was a wedding, but I didn't have all the answers and I didn't want to question, like, because questioning is like immediate punishment. Right. And I didn't want me to get it. And I didn't want father to get it, you know. But anyway, he asked me to go on a ride and I didn't even dare ask to get my wedding dress. Like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, like, so I just ran out the door with him and got in the car and he was crying he was Aww. he was crying in the car and he he told me he said i'm sorry i didn't get you a cedar chest because he had gotten all the other daughters a cedar chest so you didn't you didn't get the cedar chest because and that's kind of how you knew your mom kind of had planned had, um, like at least my mother had because all they would buy the cedar chest and they would fill it up with dishes and stuff for their new kitchen or their new living or whatever like whatever they needed for their house sure i didn't have any of it and mm. my mother did tell me one time that my older sister, who had gone into war against family, ended up not needing any of her stuff. So I always wondered, are you, like, contributing to the fact that everybody thinks that I'm going to marry my chest? Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, um, my father said, I'm sorry, I didn't get you a cedar chest. And I said, it's okay, you know, like, I don't really care. You know, like, I'm not going to make my father so bad, you know. Right. I don't think it was him anyway. But he told me now he didn't want me to go over to family. Oh, he didn't want you to marry Warren Jeffs. But he couldn't say anything to me because he would get punished, you know? Well, of course he'd be punished. Yeah, his family was on the line. But he's like, I didn't want you to go into his family. And he actually made you wait until you're 18. And some girls don't even get that luxury. I mean, I think he was married to the youngest one was, what, 12? Yeah, and also because the time frame shifted when Warren Jeff became the leader. Before that, when Rule and Jeff was the leader, they only married underage brides when they were kind of like struggling. That was the common understanding in the community. If they were going to go out and date anyway, they might as well get married. Oh, Lord. But um, I didn't understand the brain or anything. Like, they don't ever talk about, like, your brain isn't developed and stuff. I had to, like, figure all that stuff out. But so when Warren was the leader, Warren was still kind of running things, and he had started underage brides. And then um, when he became the leader, he switched it so far as to call the fathers and tell them, your daughter is ready. So the fathers had this huge decision to either watch the one daughter get married 
and watch from a distance to see if they have relationships or whatever happens or lose their whole family altogether in one night because they say no. Wow. Yeah. The fathers were really in a bad position too. That's what a lot of people don't understand is they think the women are the ones that are always the victims. It's actually the fathers too. Support all these kids, all these wives, and they're actually commanded to. And you know, it's so it's so strange to me, Brielle, that these people that follow him, because I bet a lot of these people are really smart people. You're very intelligent, Brielle. I know there are a lot of other intelligent people in this organization or, or the cult. Well, the cult, let's be honest. <laughs> and the fact that they are, are allowing this kind of mentality continue, because even as a young child for you, you innately knew something in your heart told you this is not right. You- yeah, that's the one thing that I like to highlight when I talk to people is basically, even when you are so brainwashed in the, you know, this really dark space where nobody's telling you, you can still feel it. Oh, yes. You can, like, it's a big deal. You know, like, I, I know that it can get darker, you know, because if they make new compounds and they don't like, like when they did the Texas raid, a lot of the seven-year-olds have never been off the compound. So it can get like more and more and more brainwashed with lack of knowledge. But even pretty dark, which was my situation, I could still feel. Absolutely. I still knew the underage right. Like I still had that shudder inside of me like, oh my goodness, like something is wrong. Even though I didn't have the information I needed at the time. And I'm just, I'm so happy and thankful for you and for the people you're helping now. But back to the wedding night. So your dad drives you and he's upset and he's crying and he's taking you to this place. I think it's his, uh, Warren's brother's house, right? He took me to Ruland's house first and then somebody escorted us to Warren's brother's house. Oh, okay. Just, okay. Warren just was already running from the law. He wasn't on the most wanted yet, but he was already running from the law. So he was in hiding. You, you know what blows my mind? The fact that he already knows he's wanted for polygamy and is not on the most wanted, but he will be. So he's running and he knows he's in trouble for doing what he's doing, yet he continues to do it. It's almost like he believes his, well, he has to, he believes his own lies. He's so distorted in his mind. He takes everything to the extreme. It's all a power play. That nobody has the right to call God into question. And he's God now because he became a leader. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So therefore I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. I'm going to marry Brielle. And so the ceremony, your mom didn't even go. She wasn't allowed. And there was only like a, right. And there was only a few people there. So you marry Warren in this weird ceremony with no wedding dress. And you're just like, what? And your whole life you're taught not to look at boys. They're evil. They're snakes. You know, you sit behind them in church. They sit in front of you. You hardly see them and passing maybe here and there, but nothing hardly at all. And then all of a sudden you get married to this pedophile who now wants you to become this sex kitten and you're like, no hesitation. And I hesitated. He, wow. Uh, thank God yeah, you hesitated. So, like, he was so angry at me because I hesitated and I didn't even like realize it was a punishment that night. Cause he, he said to your dad, uh, just take her. She's not responding, which, okay. That's already gross. Right. Cause he was probably what in his fifties when he married you. Yeah. Gee, many crickets. Uh, so, okay. Right. So your dad takes you and you have no idea that that's like a bad thing that you go back with your dad, you know, but yeah, you, I love it. I was like really relieved. <laughs> you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's get the heck out of here. And so you were pretty much 
punished by Warren. But what did he do? What was your punishment for not having sex with him? It was to send me back to my father's house and not spend the night with him. Oh, because he's so good and he's the he's God and he's, yeah, so, he's, he's so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, I was like, okay, I'll take that. Like, that's great. Like, I know my family. Like, I don't have any, like, weird things going on, you know? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd be the same as you. I'd be like, well, thank God I didn't have to go with him. So you're with your dad, <laughs> you know, I get it. So you're with your dad. And how long before you saw him again after that? Well, the next morning he did request that I come back up. And that's when I got that training to qualify to go to Texas. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Well, tell yeah. me about that. So I, I don't. Did, yeah. I didn't have a few trainings in between. I was there for two weeks before I actually left, but. I think I, you heard that training description about when he took the kids, his kids away from like 30 mothers in one night. I heard part of it tell my listeners because that, well, first of all, I almost started crying hearing that because I have two kids myself and they're one's 23, one's about to be 21. But my goodness, Brielle, I don't even understand how that was just pure evil. But tell my listeners what you've told other people about this. Yeah. So I went to the meeting and it was supposed to be like, a secret meeting where I would like qualify. I had to agree to be secret first and then it would disqualify me to go to Texas where the kids were, but I didn't know the kids were there. Anyway, so I agreed to be secret, but in the meeting, it was a really big red flag for me. It actually was the deciding factor why I went to Texas. And I just now realized, wait a minute, Brielle, I just now realized, because I remember seeing the coverage on the news when that compound was raided and I saw a bunch of children leaving that house, more children than I think that I saw adults. And I kept thinking, why yeah. are all why are all those kids there? So that's what you're talking about. The 30 women that were in the church who were punished and were separated from their children, that's where the kids went. They went to Texas, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he was telling about, like, he has, at this time, I'm 65. He has 65 wives. Not all of them have kids. About 30 of them or so have kids, 35. I don't know the exact number at that time. I know he ended up having, like, 49 kids altogether. So to have 60, you know, he had 79 wives and 49 children in the end when he went to prison. So you can tell that there's several women that never had kids. And some of them have, like, 12, so. Right, yeah, there's right. quite a few women that never had kids. Right, right. So, and so what he did is he, in the meeting, he was talking about how he was running from the law and how God revealed that his children were going to be questioned if they stayed at that location by the law to try to get information out of them to find Warren Jeff. So he revealed, God revealed to him that he needed to take his children away to a new location. And I'm like, okay, you know, you know that all kind of makes sense. And then he stopped, but also what God revealed is that not one of the birth mothers, so not one of those 30 mothers that actually had those kids Mm-mm. could go with their kids. Would... They're not worthy right now. They Ugh. can qualify, but not one of them are worthy right now. So the mothers that don't have kids can tend them, but the ones that actually had the kids, none of them are worthy. I'm like, well, God gave them those kids, so that was the red flag. Uh, yeah. It, God it... gave them those kids. Why would not one out of 30 be worthy? Like, that's weird. He wanted control yeah. of the, the kids. He wanted the parents away. So he could have full access to underage girls, full access to their minds, their bodies, their spirit, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, everything. So he could stay his horrible monster self. That's basically what it was. Yeah. And so that's the reason why I convicted. I decided I wanted to go to Texas or wherever it was. They didn't tell me it was Texas at the time. Right. Um, I wanted to go because I wanted to check on those kids. No, and that's... That was my conviction. That's why I got so deep in there. I'm like the witness from the inside, kind of. I'm so happy and proud for you for that because somehow 
after all this messed up growing up you had to do, you had the wherewithal and the thought of going, I'm going to protect these kids. I need to do something. And if I can go and watch over them, even if they think I'm a spy, I'm going to watch over these kids because you have a very warm spot in your heart for kids. I do, yeah. So I went to Texas and what I saw was that they would rotate the caretakers. So whenever the children did get attached, even a little bit to their caretaker, Warren Jess would just rotate them. Like, okay, now you're on cooking, you're on the gardening, right? He, they never could... There was no hope of stability. So it was almost like they were in, a, or in an orphanage where you couldn't even get close to anyone. And when you did, and if he saw that you did, he would separate you and you would be detached from that child. That's all control, though, Brielle. It was all the time. Like, every day those kids were in fear. So they're never going to trust anybody. They're never going to go and tell somebody. Oh. They don't get that trust. They don't get that attachment. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know how young some of these kids were. I'm, I'm sure they were pretty young. I have no doubt in my mind he probably took advantage of very, very small little girls and possibly little boys as well. Right. Oh. It, was a, it was horrifying. And then when they, because I was still trapped when the raid happened. I wasn't on Texas land. But when that happened and to hear the flying mothers back to Texas to get on that media and cry and tell them that they're so sad about Texas taking their children was just horrifying to me too. I was like, they are not even with their kids. Oh, and they, they, but they're still under the thumb of his thoughts and his power plays and his, I just, it just blows me away. Now, did they ever go back and, and reunite with some of their kids or all of them or what, what happened there? They were hoping, they were hoping the whole time when they were told to go, they got to see him for a little bit. They actually had to go and at least get him physically from Texas state authorities. So they did get to see him for a long time. And in their minds, that's like a huge thing. Right. They haven't, some of them didn't see him for years, you know. So they were so thrilled to do that. But then they just got ripped away again, a lot of them. Well, because honestly, I don't know if it was Texas or Warren. Was it Warren that ripped him away? Or was, was it Texas that said, these, this Warren. is... It was Warren. Okay, because I didn't know if maybe Texas said, we need to make sure this is a stable environment. <laughs> so he did. He's well, the one. They did, they did bring all the mothers back, and they had to physically go get their kids from the Texas authorities. So those Texas authorities wouldn't know that they were already being ripped away by Warren. Okay, gotcha. That's true. That's very true. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank goodness that happened. because, um, And I know you're happy that Texas at least stop that because that was that was almost like warren jeff's little orgy well, house stop it. like in the in the the texas authorities were blindsided really they did the best they could but they did send the kids back to the texas ranch and right now that's one of the problems we have is that there was 416 kids or something on the land right and there's about 400 that are missing in action oh my goodness what are you yeah, they sent it back to warren and all the mothers that were their mothers picked them up. So the Texas authorities were blindsided. They didn't know that they weren't going back to their actual family. So they pretty much and lied. Rearranged yeah. it so that they're totally in hiding somewhere. We don't know. Wow. It's a pretty big deal. But we can't all the way prove it. Like, we don't know where they went. But you know what? They may not have access to things like this, like a podcast or a news media or whatever, to know they have a place to go. Even somewhere maybe they, some of them are familiar with. Maybe not. Maybe they're too young. Well, 
one thing that is really good is that they got that exposure. Because some of them, like I said, some of those kids had never been off the Texas Ranch, and they were seven years old. Yeah, they had never even been exposed to anything. So they got exposure to the outside world, at least, right? just by the Texas coming in. But I, I also want to comment that not every mother, like, it wasn't really fair to the mothers to have Warren just rip their children away. So the mothers, like, when I went to Texas and I witnessed the kids, then I... I kind of went in a zone of protection of myself, and I ended up in the house that was the target house where Warren Jeff had left. And these are the mothers, that he, the 30 mothers that couldn't go with their kids. I ended up there for four months oh, and wow. witnessed the mothers and their tears and their prayers, 10-minute long prayers, and they're all, like, praying and working so hard to qualify to maybe go see their kids. Oh, wow. So these mothers were not the mothers that we're talking about in foster care where, you know, they reunite if at all possible. They were the mothers that never deserved that. They right. always cared about their kids. Right. I Yeah. So yeah. the Texas Authority sending them back to their mothers, like, I don't know if there's a better way to do that. I, I think there's probably a better way to, like, somehow, I don't know. But I'm just saying it wasn't fair to the mothers. They really did deserve their kids, but they didn't get their kids anyway because they weren't there. No, absolutely not. And that's mind-boggling. You and I were texting uh, yesterday, and I, I was like, this is mind-boggling. And you're like, right? <laughs> I, I mean, there's really not any other word for it. It's just, it blows my mind that he kept getting away with this, and people were okay with it. I, I just... Well, also, like, all of them are taught to cattle on each other. So the parents, a lot of times, will go months. Like, we talk to stories of people who have left, and because they're terrified of talking to their spouse, because they're, like, an arranged marriage and so if they tell them they're thinking about rescuing their kids, even, right, they might lose their kids because they they tattle yeah. on each other, yeah. right? Their parents, Be- yeah, yeah. Wow, I, wow. So there's no trust anywhere. There's just there's no trust anywhere. Like you don't know who is really picking up the red flags or and who is just really sincere about it. Oh my god! You're like you have to find the right timing, and sometimes it turns out as a tragedy. Oh, yeah. No, it, they're all tragedies. It's just, and especially with that many still missing, that scares me but for them. Some of them, like, really explode. Like, they end up separating and going that way for eight years. Like, my father, he got kicked out a week after I escaped, probably because I escaped. He lost his family. My mother's been in there now for, she decided to stay, and she's been in there for now almost, you know, May will be nine years. So, it kind of, you kind of lose touch with each other and how are you going to know if, even if she did get kicked out or decided to leave ever would she choose to go back to my father like that's a lot to ask of somebody who's been away for eight years or not oh absolutely so so your dad was excommunicated he was thrown out you're married to warren jeffs but he's taken to prison now he's in jail but the members of the church they're holding you prisoner basically in the house well, my father didn't get kicked out until after I escaped. Right, right. So basically, Warren Jeff went to prison when I was like 21. Okay, so you'd been married to him for like three years. Quite a yeah. while. And I was, I was so deep in there watching those kids in Texas and the compounds. I didn't have an escape route. Right. I didn't know how to get out of that deep of a mess. And I fought every day too because I, Warren Jeff didn't like me for one thing. I never was submissive to him. And I fought him because I didn't want kids with him. So Yeah, well, you don't want kids with him. You fought him every step yeah. of the way. Of course, you're not his favorite. But I think the reason he liked you in the very beginning is that you were a tattletale. And you admitted that when you were younger. And that's probably why he thought, she'll be good. She'll be my little spy. 
I don't think he really knew me. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I think he just thought he did. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I think he just thought he knew so much about me. I never expressed myself, and people just listened to the bullies and decided they knew me. But the reality was is that when I did get my voice, it wasn't the same. Like it, so even if Warren just had heard the narrative that was going around when I was a child, I was kind of shy. I didn't really care what people thought of me. But for you. when <laughs> if he had heard the only narrative there was, he didn't really know me because that wasn't me. Because all the while, you're like looking up scripture, going, wait a minute, this doesn't pan out. And wait a minute, it doesn't say that. And wait a minute, he's doing it wrong. And you're telling him some of these things. Yeah, I had to. He was the whole time trying to cultivate the marriage. I think that's why he would speak to me out as much as he did, is because at the beginning, because he wasn't in prison and he wanted to cultivate the marriage and he really messed it up now. Like, I started fighting. Right. Immediately. Good I didn't wait. I didn't skip a beat in fighting. So he never did talk to me the marriage with me because he had sent me back to my father's house the marriage night as a punishment. Then I went to Texas, and when he did go to prison, he was very angry with me. Like I, He was so angry because we never did talk to me in the marriage. I believe that was the reason mm. that he... There was probably multiple reasons, but that was like the main reason in his mind because he's kind of, you know, he's not kind of, he's a monster, like you said. And because he couldn't consummate the marriage with me, he knew he wasn't getting out. Then, like, he sent people into my life. Like, he had all the say. He told who was living in your house. So he put people around me that were really mean to me. Mm. Like, they had gone through a lot themselves. So they were, like, groomed really intensely to be intense. Like, he put the meanest people around me because he he was furious. That was just the only bottom line. He was so angry. So I went through three years of intense torture like psychological torture oh my goodness so you were trying to get back to colorado city to get to your family by this point so you were pretty much incarcerated by your own eventually when i did make it back to colorado city to my family it wasn't immediately but eventually get locked up in my brother's house because he was being threatened i believe so your brother's being threatened you're locked in your brother's house okay and i escape i unscrew the screws in the window and i do escape which was a miracle like a really big miracle because cause my mental health had gone down because of the gaslighting and all the stuff. Right. So they were planning on either they were going to take away my rights as an American citizen and put me in a, a long-term site unit or the facility. Yeah, put you in a mental hospital. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mental. It wouldn't just be the hospital. It would be like the long-term, and then they would make all my decisions. So wow. Um, wow. either that or I, might, I, I totally believe I was a high risk of even being killed. Really? I do believe that. I believe my brother was being threatened. I believe I was being threatened in that house. And my brother had little kids there. He had his wife there. And I was the lowest on the list. I think they were framing him to kill me. Wow. He was protecting his little kids over me. Um, It was a miracle that I escaped. Like, there was a lot of factors that day. They put two screws in the window, and he went to a meeting. And his wife was home. She called and told him that I was trying to unscrew the screws. Because mm. she could hear me. Okay. And and I left. They didn't notice for like two hours or something. That oh, I wow. They, thought I, they told me to lay down and wait. So they thought I, that's what I was doing. But I had actually left immediately. I didn't open any drawers or anything because I knew that was like them. Right, right. So you, yeah. had, you were actually able to, uh, and I think you were trying to get to a house where other members, it was a house you knew they lived where other members had escaped. So you thought, I'm going to go there. At least maybe they'll be nice to me. Maybe they'll help me. Yes, and they did. Good. It wasn't okay. hard convincing them. They liked me a lot. I'm like, 
that dire situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Far away from here, where they have absolutely no way of like kidnapping me. Right, because they they find you, they just take you back. You know, you're not that far away. So sadly, I ran to didn't understand that. Most people can walk away. In my situation, I knew that wasn't going to happen because I'd been brought back a lot. Yeah, well, you tried to escape several times before that, but was it because you were his wife? Is why, you, and you knew so much, is why they wouldn't let you go? Yeah, I believe that's why. I, they never really said. They told my family when they chased after me and put me on the missing list. My family, the narrative that was going around that every activist got a phone call from somebody in the SLDS saying that I was mentally ill and that I needed my parents. So I was 26. And because I had never, they had never gotten far enough to literally take away my rights, like every activist had to make that decision if they were going to support me because I was 26 years old, or if they were going to say, well, she really is crazy and she needs to go back to her parents. But I figured it out before they actually sent me back to my parents. So I escaped out of that situation too. But every other organization, there were like five of them that really did support me and help me. Actually, one of them actually took me to a doctor, a professional, and got a paper and said, if they try to take you back, you have this paper that says you're capable enough. So what happened was you went to different places that helped you in different ways. You figured out, okay, this one's good, this one's better, whatever, right? And then you go to the doctor. Is it a psychologist you go to, a psychiatrist you go to, or was it a medical yeah. doctor? Okay. And then and I... They, and they approved me to, to be able to stay out. But then we still worried about, like, the bus... You know, because there was a, somebody else that had gotten kidnapped off the road. Yeah. They wanted me to go to Tennessee because we needed to change my name, my social, everything, so that if I uh, I needed to be legally adopted, in my point of view, I was like, I don't want to end up in the hospital with PTSD because I do have PTSD at times. Right. We were talking before. Yeah. 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 I don't want to end up in the hospital for too long and have a default and the decisions be made by my parents. Especially my mother, because she was still in there. I'm like, I don't want to wake up in the SLDS one day. Oh, exactly. No, that's the last thing you want. So you were actually taken to Tennessee, where they were able to allow you to change your name. And I know, I don't know personally, but I know it's probably very hard to get your social security number changed. Yet, with your circumstances... Uh, you were able to do it. So that's a pretty legit reason why when you're trying to escape a cult, especially when they're like, you're on the run from them. I mean, they're they're kind of after you. I mean, even your own family would be after you if they could. Yeah. So we did successfully, like you're saying, it is hard to change your social. We did successfully do that after two years yeah. of being in Tennessee. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think in one of your interviews, I noticed that you said, I knew I had rights to Warren Jeff's house. It's like a, gosh, I think it's like a 29,000 square foot house, 45 bedrooms, like 50 bathrooms. So it's a huge compound house with all of his wives. I think I got that right. And you're thinking, wait a minute, whether it's legal or not in, in United States government wise, in the actual church, it's legal. What are my rights? And you found out you did have some rights. So tell us about that. Yeah, so... The land in this area is a little different color city in Hillbill because of the backstory of the religion. I don't understand real estate even to this day very well. That's normal real estate. Right, right. But I did understand this area. So I went and applied. And it took from like February to November. It was actually Thanksgiving Day that they had gotten all of their side of things done and given me the keys. Wow. It was Thanksgiving Day. They gave me the keys and told me that I had to, you know, figure out the money part of it and the money part of it was significantly decreased but it was 
still like $50,000 in back taxes. So like, I'm not going to have any money. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, I, I, looked, I started immediately looking for a buyer and somebody that could really fulfill the dream that I had in my mind. I didn't know what an appraisal was. I, all of the blueprints had been burned by the SLDS before they were evicted. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, it was a big deal. And I had a timeline because the back taxes, they can't wait forever. Right. So I had people coming in saying, we want to do this with it, a hotel, maybe a elderly place. And I was just like, I knew the history of like the Sandy location where I learned just had been with Brulin and the school. Um, I had been, you know, going to that school when I was a child. And then when we all left that location, we came down to Hilldale, Colorado City. They couldn't keep the business in there. They, it was resold several times. Eventually, they tore it down and rebuilt because they couldn't keep a business in the location because, you know, it's a, you have to attach a positive somehow. And if it's just a regular business, it's really hard to attach a positive. Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So that's what my dream was to attach the positive. I was 65 of the women. And one of the rules of the land here is, like, when all the houses are gone, because there's a timeline on every house here, the other wives, if they get out too late, they won't have the opportunity to get a house. Okay. So in my mind, I was like, I need something that they could all benefit from, even if they get out too late. Just because I care, you know? Absolutely. No, that's... Don't do that. But in my mind, I was like, I want this dream, and I have this, like... So then the dream changed. I was like, if I had a choice of which business, it would be the shelter. Like, because that's really what is needed. And that's really what everybody can benefit from if they had the choice. So what was then a dream is now called Short Creek Dream Center. You actually, yeah, yeah you yeah. actually took uh, Warren, you actually took Warren Jeff's huge mansion, if you want to call it that, because that's really what it is, and made it a refuge for people who want to leave this church, this fundamental right. church. That's what I, I, I'm so proud of you, first of all. What an accomplishment. Especially when, think about it, you don't have the worldly, even then, you do, I'm sure, more now, but you didn't really understand how the world worked then. You didn't understand real estate, and why would you have? You didn't understand how everything worked. You didn't know about appraisals. You didn't know you had to get things inspected and all the things, right? And all the legal things and the insurance. But the fact that you said, no, this isn't going to stop me. I'm going to keep going. It's really for the community, and everybody needed that attachment. Yes. Everybody in this community needs it. Even if they tear down that building, like the whole community, you know what I mean? Yes. Like yes. they needed that positive really, really intensely. And it was interesting when the buyers did come, there were already a worldwide organization. They were called the Dream Center, you know, like already. Like they didn't just make up that name after they bought the house. Really? They were already that. Yeah. That's a, see, then it was meant to be, girl. <laughs> that was I meant to be. Like, yeah. It was a total miracle. You know, I feel like I've done my part, like paying the power and the water, all the stuff at this mansion house is just me and my husband. Like, you know, I was like, borrow, borrow. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, so anyway, they've been there for over three years now. They have the title. They've done the licensing. And they're actually the only building in this town that has licensing. They would not operate without licensing. So they've gone above and beyond in every way that uh, I yeah. can think of. And it's just been remarkable. They had a, a concert like in October of this year. Right. By the mountains. It's really gorgeous in the Maxwell Park. It's red mountains and the green grass. They just had this really outstanding concert. And they actually called me up on stage and had me um, talk about dreams. 
you know, it was amazing. It was my town, you know, like all these people. Well, of course. Well, look what you did. This didn't just happen by accident, Brielle. You know, did this. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, and then, um, so when the lease to own ended, I started working on site. And we're starting a, in my house, because we got a house during the three years in this town of our own, me and my husband. We had a little house. Okay, okay. Four rooms, yeah. So now do you, li- you and your husband, do you live there as well, or do you have your own place now, or what? what's going on now with we that? We have our own space. It's, okay, it's okay. completely separate from the Dream Center. Now, I got to um, ask, I got to ask, yeah. where'd you meet your husband? Okay, so my husband, um, my adoptive family, who live in Utah. That's what, um, that's where you got your new last name, Decker, right? Yeah. Okay. I got my last name, Decker. Okay. Um, my adoptive brother was working with my husband and introduced us. It was during the time frame of, so I, I went and applied for the house in February. I met my husband in March. Wow. Yeah, and he helped me through the whole process. And, you know, we've, we've been married now for four years. Oh. over four years. Yeah. Now, do you have children? Uh, do you have children of your own? We don't, like, because of all the abuse and the medications. We did get pregnant last December, but anyway, we miscarried. So we're I'm gonna, so like, sorry. Okay, yeah. 2020 has been hard for everyone, so yeah. we're like, but yeah, we're just you... like, we paid all the bills of the miscarriage, and now we're, like, saving up. So yeah. you're going to, okay, so, but you would like to, I, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, we also have, like, this family that I, because I love kids, I really, that's my main thing. I love kids so much. We actually have this opportunity right now to getting our home into a home daycare, like a home certification. Oh, nice. That is incredible. And you know what? It's never bad to have, well, you've been around little kids all your life too, but it's never bad to have a little parenting skills with other people's kids because, you know, at teaching my daughter, she works at a church daycare and she loves it. And she's like, mom, I didn't know how hard it was sometimes. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the club, honey. <laughs> yeah. So it does cut the curve. Like a lot of the learning is like stuff I already know. To watch kids, you have to know like cooking, you know. You oh, sure. So to take in five is a, it's usually way bigger deal for people. But right, because right. we already have experience. Yeah. Oh, you've had lifelong experience. Yeah. And my, my daughter, yeah. she's just like, it's wow. It's not yeah. as hard as it would be for somebody who never had that. Oh, right, right. I'm just so happy you found happiness. You you got married. I mean, and you're out of this hellhole. Let's be honest. It's like the sun is shining again for you. Or maybe it's shining for the first time. I I don't know. I, I just... It is. Like, it's so, like, I have so much hope now. And especially oh. with my book and with the documentary and with, you know, like, those are side projects in my mind. Uh, what I want to go into long term is online consulting because I want to do more dreams. Like, I want to be a part of more dream centers than just this one. More dream centers. Okay, yes, yes. I want to be a fundraiser. I do public speaking and online consulting for the hard topics, you know, the work through things with people. Sure, sure. And also, I want to do a podcast myself, eventually. I think that is a fantastic idea, because you know how many people would love... Just to understand, I mean, to me, I'm just all about the psychology and how it affected you. And we've talked about that you've had PTSD and we've talked about how hard it was and how you even had to go in the hospital after Warren Jeffs kept trying to have sex with you and trying to consummate the marriage and you would go catatonic and they were like, oh, she's insane and we need to put her in a facility. And you're like, no, I'm not. You guys are drugging me too. (laughs) All of the things. I've been out for eight years. So this year I'm 35. So... And May 23rd of this year was eight years being out. 
And the difference, like, is huge. I haven't even been in the hospital for three years. We have a house. I've been married for four years. Like, what would have I been if I didn't have for this you know? oh, no <laughs> like, I know I mean and but you know what I, I think God does work in very wonderful ways and a, a lot of people are like well why would God allow this to happen and why you know I, I don't think God has a lot to do with that part I think God has a lot to do with how are you going to react what are you going to do to make it better maybe this is what you chose to do and maybe this is how you're going to have to live your life so that you can understand I don't have all the answers. All I know is your role and your future relied on you to be defiant, really. Yeah, they really did. I really needed to listen to the intuition that I had in my heart. Good for you. You even said you had premonitions, that you actually had dreams. Yeah, I did have premonitions. I had them as a child, and I would dream that Warren Jeff, I remember him asking me some direct questions, and I would wake up before I found out who the person was for sure who I would marry. But I remember it was horrifying when I would wake up every single time I had a premonition, I would wake up like praying the devil out of my life. I thought it was the devil because Warren Jeff was not the leader. So it happened, then I kind of went into shock because it was exactly like the premonition. It's exactly the way you dreamt it. And you know what? I don't know if you believe in angels. I certainly do. And I think your angels were giving you a sign, honey. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I did have a girl in school that I went to school with who left at 14 and she was on the media for just a short time. And she actually said in her interview that she was terrified of being married to Warren Jeff. She left before the wedding and everything, being 14 or whatever. I remember thinking, I need to see if this is really true because I have the same feeling that that girl is talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And you did. I think Mm -hmm. he's doing that to me. In my mind, I I needed to know if I was thinking what was real you know like what was I really being groomed well and the thing is how would how would you know I mean how would you know I mean you're the only way to know is to go to the interview exactly Warren Jeff has the ultimate say in every wedding so if he like confirms that it really is him then I can like have that like knowledge that all those things were actually because of something but that was a horrifying day for me when it actually was confirmed when he actually said God, you have a strong testimony of God, you know, like, it is him, basically. Right. Um, I went into shock. But let me tell you something else. When you met your husband, and I guarantee you on your wedding night, it was so much more loving and, and amazing and wonderful than you ever could have imagined. Oh, it was way better. Like, well, we dated for, like, right. at least six months to a year, you know, like, and dating, the whole dating experience was, like, so amazing. And yes. And my mother, my adopted mom was like telling me all the things about like the traditions because we didn't have any knowledge of traditions. Of no, like, you couldn't even look at a guy. You couldn't even look at him. <laughs> I know. She's like telling me, she says, I don't really like to go with the tradition. This is the tradition, but I like to be my own self and do my own thing. You don't have to go with the traditions. And I'm like, mom, they are my traditions. It was really like intriguing to me. Well, yeah, you were able to be free and go, hey, maybe go check out a movie. Maybe go have some dinner. Maybe just have a conversation with somebody that you respect. Somebody that wants to hear about you. Somebody that's not trying to control you or take advantage of you or or be angry or, or judge you with you. Somebody that really just wanted to be with you. What a head rush for you. I mean, that was so foreign to you. Yeah, I say that I have built in motivation. I tell that to people all the time because the contrast is so much. My body aches before my energy runs out. Wow. You're just engulfing life. You're just... I want to do more. 
I can't tell you and I can't congratulate you any more than I'm doing right now on your accomplishments. This is amazing what you're doing for these people that have this facility, the Shore Creek Dream Center. You're giving them hot meals. You are allowing them to get their GEDs. You're helping them get jobs. They've got a safe refuge to go to. They can stay there for rehabilitation if they need to. You're doing all of these things for these people. This was your dream. This was what you wanted. It was everybody's help, yeah. I'm so proud of you. I hope you understand the impact that you're having with this community. It's really hard to grasp. Like, even through the three years when they're getting their license, I got to see, like, so much. You know, we got to see, like, when they put new carpet in, when they, you know, all the improvements on the building was so amazing. To see the new people, and, like, it's just, it's so empowering. Like, I I wish people had so much positivity in their life because it's helped us so much. It sounds a yeah. lot like it healed. It's very healing to you as well. It sounds a lot like that. Yeah, but I didn't have any bad memories in that building because it was a target house. I mean, I did see the mothers crying and stuff, but I, I, Warren Jeff wasn't really there. I mean, it was his target house, so he didn't want to go there very bad because that was being watched by the law enforcement. Oh, that's so, so, like, okay. So, like, somebody else, like, one of his children or something that grew up there, they probably have some horror stories that are more intense. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. You know, you turned this around to such a positive for so many people. And I know there's got to be boys that need help, too. So now they actually are taking in men. They have men on the bottom floor and they have women on the top floor. Oh, that's so good to hear. Because I know yeah. some of these boys... They were like lost boys. I mean, at a very young age, they couldn't go to their own families and they couldn't go back to where they were used to and they were on the streets. Yeah. And then the middle floor is like the commercial, like, so basically the where everybody eats and, you know. Right. Oh, I got you. Like where the, the communal place where you can watch TV or you yeah, can eat and yeah. play games or whatever and just be okay and be kids or be adults or be whoever you want to be. And be with people that yeah. care and love you and don't judge you. And you can talk and you can say things and you can have an opinion. Yeah, it's like every day, like I have epiphanies. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, an experience for everyone because you have a boss and you have, you know, it's just, you have to learn how to communicate. You have to learn how to, you know, all that stuff. And I, I love it all, even though it isn't always easy, especially because some people, like, it's more intimidating when you have, like, the factors of, being kind of the founder, you know? Right, yeah. Um, it's just something to adjust to because... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so all those things, like, we, you know, I get to experience those things, and I, I love it. Like, I, I don't feel like, like it's too overwhelming. I, I always feel like we can get through this. Absolutely. Now, you're writing a book, and I think it's yeah. it was going to come out in November, but you're uh, doing a few things before to wrap everything up before you release it. So tell me about your book. So my book is more of the dark stuff. Okay. It's more of the childhood, the foundation. So I don't have to repeat, like, everything every time. Right, okay. It's more of, like, yeah, it's, like, the details. Like, even in a book, you're not going to get every detail because there's so much. But That's why um, we, yeah, that's why we couldn't. Yeah. more of a foundational. Okay. And the documentary is more of the after. Right. Now, where are these available? Now, your book is going to be traditionally published in the in the five major uh, book houses like Simon Schuster, those kinds of places, Penguin, all yeah, those. Yeah. Okay. And then the documentary, is that is that an independent film? Is that going to be on a network? What Where is that going to be? It's going to be on a network. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity now. 
So. <laughs> yeah, that's not the only project in the works. We have some other things, but I can't always talk about everything sure. because you have to have all the right fit to really get it that far to where it goes where you're trying to get it to go. Right. No, it makes sense. Yeah. So, like, some projects are better to not talk about until they're, like, really far into it right and oh totally makes sense and you know you have to do it the way you need to do it this is your story and it's your story to tell and if you need to wait or do it the right way whether it's right now or wait another six months or whatever guess what you finally have choices you finally have the power over something that you've never ever had the power over anything until now until the last what eight years yeah i've been on eight years i've been involved with the dream center for the rest of the time well, I am so happy to have had you on my show, Brielle Decker. You have been so nice and amazing and candid about what's happened in your life. And I know it's not always easy to talk about. And I know that not all of it's fun to, to remember. But if nothing else, you're getting the word out about the good that you've done and the things that are coming up in your life and the wonderful, wonderful aspects of everything that's happening. I'm so happy for you. And now I have your phone number in my phone. (laughs) And, you know, maybe I will, if you want to agree to it, maybe I will have you on when your book comes out and we can talk about your book or we can talk about your documentary. If you ever want to do that, I'm here for you because you, you're incredible. Oh, thank you. I, I hope that we can do that because it does help us. Absolutely. My podcast is doing very well. And if that means I'm getting the word out, I'll be happy to help you in any way I can in the future. So all you have to do is let me know and I'll be there for you, girl. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. If you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review. It'll help my podcast out and more people will be able to listen. Also, I am a novelist and write paranormal romance. All my books are available on Amazon.com, so check me out. And you can also reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you guys all for your support, and I'll talk to you next week.